Hey everybody, welcome back to Linux Cast. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Tyler. Yes, he is. He's Tyler. He's on vacation. That's the reason why he doesn't have his normal background and Buddy's not anywhere to be seen. But yep. if you think Tyler on like normal times is relaxing, re relaxing, he's on vacation, so he, there's no rules. He's in Florida, so... Tyler gone wild yep. is basically what we've seen here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did, oh, I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to get into that. I was like, do they still make those? No. <laughs> 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 that's like that's such a '90s thing. I don't even know. Anyways, moving. On to, Let's it, make it clear that is something that Matt will check out on his own to free time. <laughs> uh, I'm making a note. I'm gonna get in Google Keep and check out. Does Girls Gone Wild still exist? <laughs> No. Anyways, um, <laughs> you should run a poll like before you actually do anything. You should definitely run a poll to see how many people believe it doesn't exist anymore. Because I, I would, I would definitely vote on that. Because I don't think it exists anymore. I would put money that it's not. And I might I, be right. <laughs> I really don't want to go look at it right now. Because <laughs> if it appears on screen, I'm so getting demonetized and having my channel pulled and all that shit. I mean, we just not do that for now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, so this is the Linux cast. We talk about Linux things, usually. <laughs> they, it does usually not start Sometimes. out that way, but it's because you, I, I have some kind of ridiculous thing to say at the beginning. And for whatever reason, it always comes back down to porn. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really. I mean, if you if you this is your first time watching the podcast or listening to the podcast, I apologize. It is usually better than this. So, anyways, we talk about Linuxy things. That's usually what we do. We've never gone on a tangent in our entire lives, which is blatantly untrue because we've already gone on one. That has to be a record, by the way. That has to like literally we started the show off with a tangent, so that has to be a good. Uh, uh, a record. I'm surprised somebody in the chat hasn't gone and searched for the thing we're just asking about. You guys are supposed to be my Google while I'm doing this, by the way. <laughs> all of a sudden, there's silence in the chat. There's no one there. And we're like, we all oh, we know what you're doing now. <laughs> anyways, Tyler, my friend, you're on vacation, but I'm going to ask you this question anyways. What have you been up to in the last week? You done anything Linuxy? Um, actually, yes. Um, I actually met a guy at a bar, uh, the other night who <clears throat> works at, as an admin doing, well, I mean, he runs like Red Hat machines and it was really interesting to talk, like just talk like Linux. And, uh, we also talk cause I mean, I very much enjoy OpenBSD, And so we talked about that for a little while, which was very weird. I did not expect to meet someone randomly at a bar and talk like Unix for a while. Like, that was not something I expected to happen on a vacation. But that was, it, it was really nice. But pr pretty much other than that, there has been almost nothing happened with my computer. Um, I brought it with me on the trip just in case um, I, like any of my cousins, because we got a big family and so just in case any of the younger ones wanted to play games which it ended up being a great bring because there was kids that wanted to play games and so i like just set them up with an xbox controller and let them go ham at the computer but um yeah like i, I i've done mostly nothing with my computer it's just been a lot of beach time i would fun. be honestly 
significantly disappointed with you if you'd said, oh yeah, I've been playing Dead, whatever, Dead Side, is it, Dead, was that the name oh, of yeah. you? Oh yeah. You know, I've been Dead playing Side. Dead Side, the, the, the family's out there on the pitch, but I'm in here just nerding away on the computer, I've been very disappointed in you. <laughs> well, I, I also will not lie, um, I did load up Dead Side <laughs> one night. I was very, I came, I came back up to the condo from the beach pretty wasted, and sat down, and I was like, you know what? Dead Side sounds fun. I loaded up and played some Dead Side, and it it, it was actually funny, because I ended up having a conversation with someone on Discord talking about Dead Side and, like, Linux compatibility, because they were super, super interested in the game, but they were like, if it doesn't have Linux, I'm not buying it. I'm like, it don't. And in that case, don't buy it, because it's literally just one option, and I don't, I don't understand how any game like they we've done more research into the game they have easy anti-cheat compatibility for like linux proton steam deck all that stuff like it's it's enabled in the client for the game the only reason it doesn't work is because server side it's not enabled so literally this is the problem with the game it's Super complex to press two buttons instead of one. That's the whole problem with Linux support. It's really upsetting because I love the game. I really do. Some people won't. It's a survival game, but you might. Okay. I'm I'm glad you had to play some, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, My Fish Tanks Aquatics has gone and answered the question. um, Girls Gone Wild ended in 2011. Uh, with over 300 movies. Um, Darn. So, um, and, there, and and there's some lonely bastard out there like, yeah, I own them all. <laughs> like, oh. like, like, like they got um, p- collecting Pokemon cards, but it's instead it's the girl girls gone wild. Dude, like, <laughs> let's be honest. That is the saddest collection ever. Like, you know, like some people have some like really cool collections they can show off to their friends. If that's your collection... Please, for the love of God, do not show it off to anybody. Well, <laughs> it's, it's... no, no, the the Pokemon card collector and the Magic the Gathering card collector are exactly the type of people who would collect the Girls Gone Wild because obviously. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> I promise. That's the last dimension of it. Anyways, thanks for the answer there. You too, Bruce. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> there's going to come a time in like 10 years that the kids won't even know what Girls Gone Wild is, right? Because it will oh. be, it'll have faded out of the, the you know, the zeitgeist. <laughs> Anyways, moving, moving on. So my week... Yeah, how's your week, man? <laughs> All right. So uh, some of this is bleeding from last week. So... Oh, I don't know, like Tuesday or Wednesday last week, uh, Firefox started messing up on my computer. And for whatever reason, like half the screen in Firefox was just a blank white bar. And I thought it was a extension problem. And it was, it ended up being an extension problem, but because I just, I disabled Dark Reader, because I thought it was Dark Reader, and it will... You know, so I disabled Dark Reader and it went away, but then it came back, and so I disabled VimVixen and it came back after that. So I decided I was going to switch to Brave, or more, I decided I was going to switch to Microsoft Edge. I stayed there for about 30 minutes, went to Brave after that, and um, let's be honest. Hold on, I do have to stop you here. 
you went to Edge, and you left Edge. Why? Um, because my screen wouldn't go to sleep. That's when the problem started. When, because my screens, like, I, my computer stays on basically all the time because it acts as a file server for all the computers in my house. And overnight, I get backups to this computer, right? So, but I don't want the monitors to be on all the time. When I walk away, I want them to go to sleep. For whatever reason, when I installed Edge, my screen started to stay on all the time. So I switched to Brave. And at the same time that happened, I also uninstalled SDDM from my computer and decided I was just going to start using S Start, start X. And it worked fine. But when you pull out SDDM from a Plasma installation, it's not a good idea. Okay? <laughs> It's yeah. fine if you've if you've installed SDDM, you can uninstall it all you want because you it's just stuff. But Plasma relies on it when they build it together for whatever reason, and I didn't understand that because I was a dumbass. So the moment I uninstalled SDDM, that installation of Arch just started crapping out. There was random things that just didn't work because dependencies were no longer there that it was expecting to be there. So I was like, well, obviously I'm a dumbass. So I reinstalled Arch, and this time I went with vanilla Arch. I used Arch install, their new Arch install script. And the thing is, is at that point, I needed to do a video that night. And trying to get everything working from vanilla Arch all in one night is just impossible. Because you have to, all these dependencies and stuff that, I mean, you, setting up Arch is like a three-week process. Because as you, as you start using your computer, you're, you always have to go, oh, I need this, I need this, I need this, you know all throughout you just find things that you're missing and so you install them but i needed to do a video that night so i ended up did end up doing a video and like i made a video about this i called it linux sucks and it was just a it was a pain in the ass the problem is is that none of the things that happened to me over that 24-hour period where arch crapped out on me twice were arch's fault like everything there was purely my fault like first of all it was the sddm thing and the thing is is like my monitor still would not go to sleep because i was using brave and the thing, so, so for whatever reason, there's something there with a Chromium-based browser, because both Edge and Brave are Chromium-based, that keeps my monitors alive, and I don't know what. And I, I didn't think it was Brave, because at one point, I killed Brave completely dead, like, completely dead, and my monitor still wouldn't go to sleep. I don't know what's going on. And the thing is, it followed me to Fedora. So, I thought, well, maybe I'm having a hardware problem, right? Whatever. I've just been dealing with that problem now for two weeks. So I installed Fedora. And Fedora treated me really well for a whole week. And it was still treating me really well last night when I decided I was going to try the KDE spin. Um, I wanted to see if the KDE spin would solve a couple of my problems. Because one of the things that I was having problem with in the GNOME version is that when you have the GNOME version, it uses the GTK file picker everywhere even in QTFs, right? And the GTK file picker is the worst thing ever invented. It gets so bad, and it is so buggy. Like, you can't name a file. When you start typing in the name of a file, it brings up the search. So you, I had, had to uh, just type in the name of the file I wanted to save in search, cut it, paste it back into the proper text field, and then save the file. It was annoying as fuck. I dealt with it for a week, and I would have continued to deal with it. Um, but I wanted to see if the KDE Plasma spin of Fedora would solve that problem. It did. 
And also last night, I said, fuck you, Brave. <laughs> and I mean, don't get me wrong. I made, I made a video about this. Brave was fine. It's a, it's a good browser. I disabled all the crypto nonsense, but the Brave was fine. But I decided I was switching back to Firefox. And I switched back to Firefox. And wouldn't you know, now my screens will go to sleep. Two weeks, dude. Two weeks. Three distros. And I finally <laughs> turned out it was Brave, or at least a Chromium-based browser, because it turns out that Brave has a demon that runs in the background, even when Brave is closed. It's oh. Closed. There, there's a. It's, it's called the Brave demon, and I don't know what it does. I don't know why it's running all the time. The minute you open Brave for the first time, this demon starts with your machine every single time, and if you kill it, it literally deletes. Everything, every part of your profile, like every single part of your profile is gone. Because at one point I found that demon running in HTOP and I killed it. And when I opened up Brave again, everything was gone. Like it started out me completely fresh. It was really weird. And I don't know why I did that. It's just really stupid. But the, it did do it. But once I uninstalled Brave and went back to Firefox, I haven't had a single problem with my screens going to sleep. They just go to sleep when they're supposed to. Um... So, yeah. Uh, and, like I said... And the, the, and the issue is gone with Firefox, too? No. Oh. <laughs> because it was it was Vim Vixen. It was Vim Vixen causing the problem. It was an extension problem, like uh. I said at the beginning. I didn't think it was an extension problem because when I, when I disabled Dark Reader and it went away, and then I disabled Vim Vixen and it went away, I figured it couldn't possibly be two extensions causing the same problem. It turns out it was just Vim Vixen causing the problem. Um, but because I do, my little brain couldn't handle the fact that I disabled two extensions and, you know, the problem only went away with both of them. It was really weird. Um, but I'll have to find a different Vim plugin for Firefox. I probably surfing keys is, is, what do you use? Do you use one of those Vim things in browser? What's wrong with you? You no. fucking savage. I, look, <laughs> dude, when I'm in a browser, I'm in a browser, man. Like, I'm just... But being also, able to I don't, scroll with J and K, oh, it's so good. I mean, look, it is good. Being able to GG to go but, to the top or capital G to go to the bottom? Yes. But it's, that is one of those things where, like, genuinely, I I find more use out of that when I'm in something like Cube Browser, where the entire browser is built around that, like, in mind. Like, it's more you're you're not you're not given as many nearly like opportunities to click on shit in the browser um that's where i find it like really useful and stuff i don't to me like if i'm just in something like edge or like you know just a regular old gooey like chromium browser like no i'll just click around because i mean it's just meant for that um plus also like i to me, like the extension, like solution for Vim keys and stuff, it's. I don't know. I've I've never I've never liked it. I don't like running a lot of extensions. So if I have the option of not running them, I'll just I'll just not. And that's probably that's probably the biggest reason of why I don't use them. Um, I'd probably enjoy them, like from time to time, but I don't know. Once like, you use it. You won't stop using it. It's just so that good. But anyways, I, like I, I'm missing it. Like I, four times this morning, I've hit GG to go to the top, and it does nothing. <laughs> I'm like, why isn't this working? 
Um, <laughs> See, that's my problem. When I start using Qt Browser as my main browser, if I sit down on anyone else's computer, I'm constantly doing that stuff where I'm hitting shortcut keys, and I'm like, why the, why the hell isn't this working? It's like when the power goes out, and the first thing you do when you walk in the bathroom is flip the white light switch on. Even though you know the power has been out for, like, days... You like, yep. seriously like we will like a few years ago we had like a gigantic ice storm and we lost power for like six days. It didn't matter that it was like day six. Every time we walked into the into the toilet, <laughs> flip that white light switch on, even though I knew that there was no power in there. Like it, it's done. Like it's just that that habit that you have. It's just mm-hmm. you know it's not something that you can't um get rid of. Anyways, so uh, moving on to the contact information uh, chat. If you have questions, now is a good time to ask them. We're going to move on to a quick Q&A here in a minute. Uh, but first, question, first, contact information. The first thing we should talk about is the linuxcast.org, which is the website. Now, it looks basically the same as it did three weeks ago, but it's completely different because JDog who I still can't pronounce his name, so I'm sorry, J-Dog. He's never taught me, so he needs to teach me how to say his name. Um, but anyways, J-Dog ha- went through and spent his hard-earned time to completely redo the website so that it's easy for me to update. So I can update it with Markdown files, and all I do is have to do- run a script, type in a password, and it uploads it to the server. And that's all I have to do. I don't have to do any HTML, none of this stuff. It is... Fantastic. Now, I'm still having a problem where the old site keeps popping up for some reason. I don't know what the hell's going on there. I have to fix that. But if you ca- if you do manage to catch the new site, uh, it is really good. And it should mean that I blog more and keep it more updated because it's easier for me. It's When it's hard for something, hard for me to do something, or not hard, but tedious, I tend to, you know, not do it. So, um, no. anyways, that is done. And he used the 11 blog platform so um it's really good anyways so check that out uh linuxcast.org you can follow me on twitter at linuxcast tyler is available on youtube at youtube.com slash zany og he's also on odyssey he has a discord server there's a store link there somewhere uh you can follow find all of the links to all of my social networks most of tyler's stuff at the linuxcast.org slash contact you can subscribe to the linuxcast at youtube.com slash linuxcast make sure you do that because that is something that really does help the channel we're fastly approaching 20,000 subscribers which is just i mean seriously what the hell (laughs) just blows my mind (laughs) Uh, and the next couple months we'll be there and it'd be just nuts um i i can i can very well remember because it was like not even two years ago when I was so happy when my uh, video went to like 50 views. I was like, my video got 50 views? Like, holy crap. My video got 50 views. Like, I, I thought I went, I mean, I might as well have been Mr. Beast at, at how excited <laughs> I was that that video got 50 views. And uh, I, can re- I can remember when I had 50 subscribers. And I was like, wow, 50 subscribers. It was amazing. And... Yesterday, yes, the last two videos I have that I recorded on the channel, both of them got 3,000 views, and I was like, man, those videos sucked. <laughs> what the hell? Like, like it's, it's like horrible. Like, how dare those videos tank like that? <laughs> like, oh, man. Uh, but anyway, so if you have subscribed, thank you so very much, and uh, we'll, uh, oh, 
I should mention patreon.com slash linuxcast if you want to support the channel. So, uh, Q's and A's. Uh, do we have Q's and A's? Um, we have questions, I believe. So, how is your experience Ooh. with Fedora? Other than installing software, because you need to make a video about that. So, uh, I guess I could answer that. I've had a really good time with Fedora. I've had to build more software than I ever had to before. But that's mostly because I usually let the AUR do it for me, right? Now I don't have the AUR, so there have been things that I've had to install. Uh, I've been discovering the COPR, which is like a PPA system for Fedora. It is okay. Uh, it's where I got i3 gaps from. It's where I got clip, clip, clip menu from. So those two things at least were there, which were good. It's not nearly as big as the AUR. I don't... Anybody who says it is, is just wrong. Uh, but it actually is um, not as bad as I thought it was. Um, but, yeah, Fedora has been very good to me. Uh, I know I've received... Tyler, you're the one that hops more than anybody I know. And when yep. you say you're going to stay on a Linux distribution, I laugh at you. Because I know yep. for sure that you're not going to stay on that Linux distribution. But the thing is, is like... I use Linux distributions for a long, a long time, like months and months on end. Like, I can stick on a Linux distribution really well. But the amount of snarky comments that I got on the video I made about switching to Fedora is ridiculous. I, there, my community has no faith in me at all whatsoever. There was some guy that says, oh yeah, well that's going to last about 24 hours. Like, come on. I, like, I, I would at least give it 36 hours. <laughs> See, like... Here's the thing. All I'm going to say is guilty by association. People see me and they're like, there is no way. Like, as soon as you start picking up or showing signs that you might have a habit like me of switching to, to, to different stuff, people immediately go, yeah, he's full blown. Like, he'll be switching every three days now. Like, yeah. I mean, here's the thing, too. A lot of people try Fedora and don't stick on it. Like, that is super common. And I don't think it's it has anything to do with Fedora. I just think, like, Fedora is one of those distributions that when you're distro hopping, it's very common that that's one of the distros that you choose in your distro hop. Mm -hmm. So, like, I, I think a lot of people see Fedora as something that you try. It's good, but then there are other options that you probably end up on. Because, I mean, mo most people I know when they distro hop or they're trying Linux distros, try at least, like, six. Like, they, I mean, they try a good handful. And, I mean, I really like Fedora, but I, I can also see other people preferring Arch because they are. Like, there's, there's, you literally have so many different options of what to end up on. I see people being like, oh, you're trying this one? Well, just wait till you try this one. And that'll be the one that you stick on, because I mean everybody's got their distro of choice. Like mm -hmm. the the thing that I was worried about switching Fedora is Pipewire. Like I every time I've tried Pipewire, every single time it screwed me over. Um, now, yep. so far, like two weeks in, I haven't had any problems other than the damn output not being able to be set as default. Like I want to set my headphones as the default. Uh, output but every time it just switches back which is dumb but other than that pipe wire is trading well now that being said i'm going to find some wood to knock on because i know for damn sure that if i don't it's going to screw up 
the minute I start trying to record a video. So, um, yeah, Fedora has been good. Now, somebody asked why Microsoft Edge. Um, I like vertical tabs. That's really the only reason why. Um, also, my cheeks are red because I'm embarrassed. Uh, that's what happens <laughs> when I get onto a live podcast. When I was in college, uh, when I had to stand up in front of the class to give a, like a presentation or something, my cheeks were always this red. It's because when I stand up in front of people, which is basically what I'm doing now, I get, you know, flustered. So there you go. There's your explanation for that. Um, let's see if we have uh, another question here. Um, hold on a second. Tyler, I got to let the dog out of my room. Come on. Oh, you're all good. Um, <clears throat> someone asked, if a friend asked, will you recommend them a distribution or just a desktop environment just so they can choose a distro that fits that environment? Um, no. Um, if a friend asks me, and I'm, I'm going to assume this is like a friend who's like not super like techy, like not super into computers, I'm, I'm just going to recommend them some good starter distributions. Like, I mean, Ubuntu is still in there, Fedora, Linux Mint. Um, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give them distros like that, not based off of desktop environment, because if if you give them a few choices of distros that are good to start at, um, most likely they're going to in in the process of trying those few distros try out a few desktop environments and yeah that's probably what you want them to be doing anyway because really in all honesty desktop environments have no bearing on like the actual distro is more important if you enjoy the distro more then you can always change out the desktop environment well so, cause with distros uh, really the only thing that changes is the package manager right i mean really yeah um well i mean it depends like because I mean, we and that's like one of those things that we like to say because it's easy, but it's not entirely true. Like there is definitely more selling points to some distros like rather than others, and it's not always just package like package managers or um, pack, um, like the way in which packages are distributed. Like a, a lot of the times, there's just some nice quirks to some distributions, like. Linux Mint has like a lot of sensible choices made by default that most people are going to want and most people aren't going to find excessive. Like you're, you're I don't I don't think many people load into Linux Mint and go this has so much stuff. I can't believe like it's it's a pretty reasonable system for yeah. an average user. So, I mean it's just it it's different with every distro. I, I just think as long as you give someone who's like new a few different distro choices, beyond that, it doesn't matter. And desktop environments are definitely not going to be the one that like really sticks someone to something. Like you might have your preferred des desktop environment, but I, I don't think everybody looks at a desktop environment and goes, this is the reason I'm here. Like it might look good and it might like be really nice and you enjoy using it. But if the underlying distro is crap or difficult to work with, hard to get support for stuff like Slow. that, then yeah, then, then the whole desktop environment's ruined. Yeah. Um, I agree. Santos asks, it might be a stupid question, but does it really matter what size keyboard you need with Linux? I don't. I mean, I have a 75% no. keyboard. I don't know if that's what you're talking about, but I don't think so. 
Um, no, I ha- I've had everything for like right now. I think I have a 65% keyboard, all the way up to just a regular like. The, the real window. warriors are those that use like 30% keyboards. Um, yeah. All they have is the letters. <laughs> um, there, there's a couple YouTubers out there that will that do custom keyboards like that they like print themselves. And uh, there's this one guy he created a 16 key keyboard and I was like. 16 keys there's 26 letters in the alphabet some of the things not the same here but he does everything on layers and it works for him like i could never do that uh, um hamodi asks are you sure you're not allergic to tyler pretty sure <laughs> um, might be you never know how do you see ubuntu's future will they keep using snaps or will they change do you think they'll ever abandon snaps tyler no no i'm right with no. you with you See, the thing about Canonical, and we, we've talked about this before, they are a very stubborn company. They stuck with uh, Unity and Ubuntu Mobile for a lot longer than they should have, because that thing was a flop yeah. right out of the gate. Like, seriously, yep. nobody bought an Ubuntu phone. Like, the vast majority of Linux nerds didn't buy an Ubuntu phone. Um, it's just yeah. like... You remember Firefox OS? Like, Firefox had a, its own phone for, like, half a minute. Firefox yep. abandoned that thing, like, instantaneously. They were smart about it. Yeah. They were like, like yeah, they, let's just, let's like, just get out. Like, they saw the writing on the wall. Like, there's no way this thing is going to be yeah. doing good. Like, nobody bought it. And, and it was like the Facebook phone. Like, the Facebook phone existed for, like, half a minute, too. Canonical stuck with the, the Ubuntu mobile and stuff like that for a long while. And a lot longer than they should have. And same thing with Unity. They're very, very stubborn. Now, they do abandon things eventually, but they always come back to them. So, like, I don't know if you guys know this, but they've done Unity three times. They did it for a while, they abandoned it. They did it for a while, they abandoned it. They did it for a while, and then they used it, and now they've abandoned it again. So, it's possible that someday they might decide to do Unity again. I mean, it's possible. Same thing with, like, their yeah. display manager. They came out with... They developed something called Mirror. It was supposed to replace Xorg, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody uses it. Not a soul in the entire universe outside of Canonical uses Mirror. Probably. I'm sure I'm going to get that in one comment. Like, I use Mirror. Okay, good good, good for you. Um, but most like, most people don't even know what the hell it's called or what it is. And But they still develop it. Like, it's still in development. And but nobody uses it, Right? they've actually transitioned it to doing something different now. It's not going to be the same thing as it used to be. But, you know, the point remains is that they don't like... They, once they set their mind on something, they really do like to, you know, stick with it. So I don't see them bending snaps ever because they, they really like snaps. I mean, they, like, really yeah. like it. Well, I, and I mean, also, because it's one of those things, too, where it's kind of a smart... I don't really think business move, but it is kind of a smart business move. Because, like, if Snaps become the most prevalent way that software is distributed on Linux, then Ubuntu and Canonical stays relevant. Like, I don't think it's, like, a money move or, like, anything like that. Like, it's just one of those things. It's a smart business move. Like, you you stay relevant. Um, I mean, if you're the ones who created Snaps and Snap is, Snaps becomes the way that everyone distributes software then you stay in the conversation constantly it i I think that's a good business move but also like 
I don't know. I, I don't think snaps are really going to be the way that most people go with software distribution. At the same time, do I think Canonical believes different? Hell yeah. And I think they're probably going to stick with it for a long time. Well, the, the, as long as their enterprise users continue to use snaps, they're going to continue to develop it. And of course they're yeah. going to use snaps because they come built in with their thing. When, when something comes built in with a piece of software that you've chosen to use, so when you choose, chose, if, if, if an enterprise has chosen to use Ubuntu on their servers, they're going to use the tools that are installed on there because they're going to be, especially if you've, you're paying Canonical for support, you're going to use the thing that Canonical will give you support for, which is snaps. So snaps, first and foremost, are an enterprise project product project. Therefore, they're gonna, they're here to stay. Now, whether or not they'll stay on the desktop, I think they will for quite a while. But um, you know, I just think that they're too stubborn, and there's going to be enough people using them that they'll continue to use them. So, uh, one person asked, "Do we still need to add, uh, install NVIDIA drivers?" The news was confusing. The answer to that is yes. Yes, they did open source some stuff, but it's going to be years before that gets actually implemented into the kernel. So. You still need to install the drivers. Well, and I mean, in, in in even a lot of cases for AMD, you still need to install a driver, like mm-hmm. a user space driver. Not always. Not not with like Gen two, I believe you don't you don't have to like all, all of those packages are included in the base system and all of that. But for most systems, yeah, you're still going to need to install a driver. Um, but yeah, like I, I know a lot of people were confused about that because it was kind of confusing. Like well, they, the new the the news outlets didn't help. Like, oh my god, Nvidia is opening sourcing the driver. Like, first of all, no, they did not open source yeah. the drivers. The vast majority of their stuff is still absolutely proprietary and is going to remain proprietary probably forever. Okay, what they open sourced was the same stuff that AMD has open sourced is the kernel blobs that's what they've open sourced but even then even though they have done that uh, that doesn't mean they're in the kernel yet like plus people who have compiled them and used them say they're like really really not stable so it's going to take a while for that kind of stuff to to i've heard at least two years so don't go being all happy about it yet i mean it was a good first step we talked about it on the podcast i think it's a good first step but it's not like just Calm down about it. Like it's it's okay. Uh, we're still gonna need to be having their proprietary drivers if you want like DLSS, if you want ray tracing, all that stuff. You have to have the, the driver. Same thing with AMD. If you want any of that stuff there, you have to install the the Radian driver, right? Um, anyway, so that's the Q&A section. We'll probably do that every other week. If you want to, if you are watching this afterwards and you'd like to have a, us answer a question, you can send that to us at email at linuxcast.org. The email link will be in the video description as well if you need to uh, get that. So uh, we'll take things over email as well, not just the chat. So anyways, moving on to the main topic, which is, is Linux too customizable? So uh, I rice a lot, Tyler, like a lot. Like, I rice. Same. Here's the thing that's true about me. I change rices more than you change distros. I guarantee that that's true. Uh, sometimes Probably. I use three. Di- sometimes I use three rices in the same day. Um, so I've definitely done that with distros. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the that's the thing is that um I that's the reason why I went and created like a whole bunch of rices for i3 and then I have a script that I can just change between them. Like I do super rr keycord. Of course I had to use a keycord. Um, 
course. But, you know, you know, I do that, and Rofi pops up with all, all of my rices. I select the one I want. It changes it. It's amazing. It's so good. And I, that's the reason why I can use so many rices. But the question is, 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 let's see if I can say the word is one more time. Is Linux too customizable? Is there, are there too many options on Linux for new users to be comfortable? What do you think? Huh. I think it's an interesting question and kind of a loaded one too, because technically speaking, no, it's not too customizable. I mean, an, an open and free operating system probably can't have enough options. Like if you're truly allowed to do anything with it, then a lack of options is a problem. Um, now, if you're looking at it through the lens of does it have too many options for a new user, maybe. Because to a new user, especially when you're talking about all that they can do with them, you can easily overwhelm a person just by describing how many options there are in the Linux kernel. Like, as soon as you start talking about, oh, yeah, there's easily like 5,000 different <coughs> options. Like, you're like, wait... Five thousand, and I can all choose them. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you can manually change every single one. It's fine, and uh, m most people do it. Like not not everybody, but a lot of Linux users mess with their kernel, or at least have at once. Like, but the thing is, is like I don't, I don't think that's too customizable. That's just yes, it can be overwhelming to some people, but I don't, I, I don't think there's a lack of customizability and I don't think it's too much. We've we've got a lot and I don't think we need less. And I also don't don't really think the argument should be like is it too much for a new user? Cuz if you're making a Linux distro for a new user, your goal should be to make most of those options already chosen. Like you choose sensible defaults. And then let somebody else, when they're ready or even want to, change it. Um, that's one of the things I think Linux Mint does very well. They they do make default choices for new users and decisions for new users with regards to customize customizability and the way the system's set up in a pretty good way. And it works out for most new users. Um, does Arch have too many options for a new user? Probably. Probably. I, I, I don't think most people who are new Linux users need to be deciding, like, do you want Pulse or Pipewire? Uh, and then you take that even further. And like, does Gentoo have too many options for everyone? The answer to that is yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, no one's saying needs... I mean, Gentoo's great. Don't get me wrong. But it's definitely not for everyone. I think that's yeah. the underlying thing of everything that you just said is that the answer to the question is obviously no. It's not too customizable. But there are certain situations where it's better for a new user to experience Linux where there aren't as many choices. So, But that's the reason why Linux is great, right? Because there are those distros there's or those desktop environments even. If we just want to boil it down to that, there's like Gnome exists in the world. Unfortunately, it's here. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> I, I, not unfortunately. I, I was just joking. But GNOME exists for a good reason. They have a vision of how they want to prevent a, present a desktop environment, right? And 
you don't have any options unless you are technologically minded enough to change those to, you know, actually customize things. So you get into Vanilla Gnome, that's what you're going to get, right? Out of the box, like the extension app doesn't even, isn't even installed by default in Fedora. You have to install that, right? You have to install Gnome Tweaks if you want to do those things. So you have to know those things exist. Um, most people, like, uh, aren't going to know those things exist. So they just use Gnome for a while. And if they are curious enough, then they start branching out into other options that have more customizable options. Uh, so I think that the underlying thing of this whole conversation is that Linux is broad enough that it can offer solutions to every problem when it comes to the audience that it's seeking. So you have new users who are probably better off with fewer options. Not always. I mean, sometimes there's just nerds out there who love all the options. Like, I know when I first started using Linux, I adored KDE because it gave me all the options plus more options. You know what I mean? Not everybody's like that. Not so. There's the reason why uh, Brody Robertson had a video early, I think, a few days ago, where he was talking. I think it was him. Uh, maybe it wasn't. He, he was talking about are there too many distros? And we've talked about this before in the podcast. Are there too many distros? And I think that the answer kind of goes into this is that there. The reason why there are so many distros is because it's great a great thing for. Uh, people to have the options to choose how much customizability they want if you are like super nerd and you love getting into the nitty-gritty of building your own kernel and choosing you know all the use flags you could possibly want and you, all this stuff gen 2 is fantastic right it gives you all of the options you could literally ever want you compile everything if that is still not enough options for you. If if you still don't have enough choice with Gen 2, there's Linux from scratch. You know what I mean? You could literally go yeah. down all the way to there if you want to. Um, don't do that um, unless you don't value your time, I guess. But, yeah. you, you know, that is an option. But the, And then that's one end of the spectrum. You go to the other end of the spectrum, you have things like Ubuntu and Linux Mint and stuff like that. But even those have customizable options that you can choose but they're much more limited and superficial so you can change like the in the ubuntu you can change the accent color you know i mean you have those options but you don't have the option to i mean ubuntu doesn't even offer the option of choosing what kernel you're going to use you use whatever kernel they push to you you know whatever version of ubuntu you're using that's the line of kernel you're going to get you know what i mean you don't i mean you can obviously change to a different kernel but you have to be knowledgeable enough to know that they don't provide a front end for doing that so, it just feels to me that the best answer to the question is that is Linux too customizable? No, but also yes, because it can be for someone, just like you said. So some for new users, some people don't want all the options. That's the reason why KDE is not for everybody. You know, there's a reason why a lot of people don't like KDE is because it just offers too many options for them. And when you have more options. Not only does it overwhelm and confuse people, but it has the more potential to break. Like it gives you more places to mess things up. So uh, it's just you know one of those things where it's just there's a there's a there's a flavor for everybody, you know. So yeah, and I I think that's something that's like a, a lot of the times like when you're talking about is Linux too customizable, it's such a broad question because like Linux in of itself is not 
too customizable because most of the time anyway you're getting a customized version of linux already like you could customize it more but it's probably already chosen for you like most distros that you're going to choose are already they have a distro kernel like it's compiled mm-hmm. with options that the distro, distro maintainers choose like a lot of the times like linux is not really going to be the thing that's too customizable it's probably the components of linux like and and what you're using because if you do have too many options for your like for you like you personally don't like the amount of options like kde is a great example of that because they do have just an insane amount of options and they half the time can't even decide where in the hell they should put it and kde is one of those things where like you might enjoy that level of customization but also if it's not for you there's multiple other big desktop environments that you could go to like there's so many different options to go to for more or less customizability it's i mean especially like with now like with elementary os like if you want just a decent uh, and obviously i think objectively their desktop looks decent it might not be your favorite but it's definitely clean They've got a clean user user interface, and they don't they don't give you a lot of options. Like Elementary OS is not one of those hyper customizable distros, unless you really really want to. And I I think that's good. There they, should be there should be both those options. They take the closeness like the closed garden the walled garden of GNOME and take it even further, because they have way fewer customized customization options than even well i was gonna say that used to be true like it used to be true that fedora or that elementary os was way more tight-fisted in terms of customization than gnome was but actually it's not even true anymore because they offer like accent colors so that act no like i know gnome is going to have that pretty soon if they don't already but you know they had a elementary os had it first the the thing is right is that there, there are those distros like offer that experience if that's what you want the biggest problem we have is pointing to people to those distros so discoverability how do you discover what distribution is actually right for you and tyler knows the answer better than everybody the best way to find the best distro for you is to hop as many times as possible like literally get yourself a couple usb keys and get really good at using etcher or dd if you really want to get dangerous um you know or some kind of other program burn yourself some isos and hop to everyone you don't even have to install them just use the live environment if that's what you want to do you know see how it works a little bit. i mean i highly recommend to install it but if you if you get into elementary os and live environment and absolutely hate the aesthetic there's no sense in installing it you know what i mean you know you yeah. know Try for a little while. If you like it enough to install it, install it. Spend a couple days in it. Spend a few hours in it. I know when I first started Linux, like I hopped three or four times in the first day. <laughs> you know, it's just I think I think that everyone, unless unless you hit the jackpot right on the head, you know, when you when you start, like you love everything about the first distro you tried. Then if you you're not in that situation, you should absolutely hop as many times as possible. That's how you 
you know, that's how you learn and experience new things. Now, a lot of that is just going to be like you might switch between, I don't know, Kubuntu and Lubuntu or something like that, which is kind. Of, I mean, to us Linux guys, it seems kind of dumb because you're just switching between Ubuntu. You're using the same distribution. You're just using a different desktop environment. But for most new users, they don't know you can install a different desktop environment. You have to hop distros. I know that that's what I thought to begin with. But, yeah. you know, it's just you have the opportunity there to learn as much as possible. Even if you just are hopping between desktop environments or whatever you end up doing, that's the absolute best way to, to find that actually actual, you know, your home. And eventually, usually, that hopping slows down until you find a place where you really enjoy. Now, if you're Tyler, you just continue to hop forever and yeah. ever and ever. Yeah, you just have fun with it. Yeah. Roll the oh, dice. That that's that's the thing is is that like sometimes if you become a nerd, it's just kind of fun to hop to something new. Um, and I know a lot of people, and I think I'm one of those people. And I think you're probably one of those people. That installing Linux is actually kind of fun. Okay, like it's installing Linux is fun. So even if you know, even if you like. Last week when I was, I didn't hop. I just reinstalled Arch. That was entertaining for me. Like, it's nerd. I can't, I can't help. I got to use Arch install script for the first time. Of course, I had a good time. So, you know. Um, I think Glowsec said to use Ventoy. I would not recommend Ventoy for a new user. Would you? It's touch and go. Like Ventoy can be really awesome, and then it can also cause issues where some ISOs just don't work. Yeah. So. I've I've only think I su- I've successfully used Brentoy like one time and then every time I like either they can't see the ISOs that are on there or I get errors when I've installed something because of weird corruption or something. I don't know, it's I don't know, it's never worked all that well for me. Maybe it's just because I'm a dumbass. Possible. Maybe I'm just doing something wrong. Well, uh, no, because I mean, I'll say I've used Ventoy for a long time without any problems, and then I've also used it and had issues. Um, and that's when I stopped using it because it was just, I mean, I, d- I even did an update to the drive and it's still some ISOs that I knew were perfectly fine, weren't working. It was just, it was weird. So, I mean, that's why, that's why I say it's touch and go. Like, I mean, I really like Ventoy. Like when it works, it's freaking awesome. Like, you can just oh yeah. The, the USB drive. The idea behind it is just like, sign me up, please. You know, so good. Yeah. Right. Um, in practice, uh, not necessarily great for new users, I don't think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it can but, cause issues. Glowsec, so like that, though, that, you're not you're not a new user, though. Of course, it's you use it all the time. You're you're a nerd uh, of some variety. Of course, you're going to be fine with it. But new users, well, not. R- really, the main point is is Ventoy's awesome, and if you're going to be distro hopping, you probably should at least give it a try. But I wouldn't recommend Ventoy to somebody who's just trying Linux for the first time ever as the solution to try a few different ones, <laughs> only because it could cause an issue itself. And I mean, Linux it, is going to get re- blamed for that shit. <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, if, if you're going to blame Linux for something, I'd rather it be something that was actually Linux's fault, not just Ventoy decided to shit the bed that day. Personally, I would I would prefer to do that. But. Yeah, um, yeah, that's exactly true. Um, all right, so that is 
the yes, yeah, yeah, like you have the nerd badge. Like everybody, I think everybody who's in the in the chat right now gets a nerd a nerd badge. Uh, you showed up to a, a Linux podcast. I mean, there doesn't there there's not much more nerdy in the world than showing up to a podcast about Linux. I'm just I mean, uh, the only more it could be more nerdy if the podcast was about like BSD or Unix or you know whatever. So we could get yeah. more nerdy, but. Linux is about as far as I'm willing to go in the nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so that is the main topic. Moving on to the thingies of the week. So we call these things the thingies of the week because we don't have a better name for them. But really, it's a good name. So the thingies of the week. Tyler, your thingy of the week. Mine is Dark Reader. And I hope... I hope some some of you in chat or watching afterwards haven't heard of this fantastic extension. If you haven't, go ahead and install it. Um, it's fantastic. It will make all sites look nice and uh, readable and not blow out your eye sockets with white. So it's awesome. Uh, you can also theme it, too. Uh, a common thing is when people install the extension, they don't... Um, there's like you'll see people referencing how you can change the font and colors online. If you install it and you don't have those options when you open up the Dark Reader extension, it just open it up. There's like an option for like Dev Tools. You click that and it'll load up this little like window, and you just click Preview the design and then close the window or apply or whatever like close the window, and then you'll have the options to do all the Dev stuff where you change hex color values. Because that's super developer-y. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, we all know as soon as your kid finds out how to use hex codes, he's hacking the NSA. Right, <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's, that's how it works. Dark Reader is amazing and it is good, and everyone should. Light themes should just not exist. I'm just gonna put that out there. Okay. Uh, first of all, I just I was giggling in the background there for a minute because I was thinking back to our conversation at the beginning of this where we were talking about girls going wild. Like, just imagine, you know, you, you have a father who's into Linux and stuff, so he listens to podcasts on the way to taking his, like, maybe eight-year-old son to school or preschool or whatever. And he's like, Daddy, what's, girl, what's girls gone wild? <laughs> I could just, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just could, I, like, I could just imagine that, <laughs> like, that's hilarious, um, sorry, I, I said I was gonna, I wasn't gonna say it again, but, for <laughs> one reason that popped in my head, like, you know that's gonna happen, like, so it has to come full circle, full circle, yeah, anyway, so my thingy of the week, <laughs> I'm on a quest to find a replacement for Vim, not in terms of, like, doing coding or whatever that i still i'll still use vim for that because vim's awesome for that it just doesn't really work well for my writing because i have deal with really large files and neovim in this case is really slow when it comes to large files it just is i can't help it at least it is for me um, but anyway so i've been trying to find a good markdown editor and i don't need all the features that obsidian has like obsidian has like this knowledge graph and all this stuff like that i don't need any of that i just need a markdown editor so i've tried mark text that's really good i made a video about that so then somebody recommended my pick of the week this week which is ghostwriter ghostwriter is uh, pretty damn good when it comes to actually just being a markdown editor it does all the stuff you would normally need it has not as many options as mark text does but it has all the options you could pop you really need and it does this really cool thing where when you sit down for a session of writing, it actually begins timing you so it can kind of keep track of your word count per minute, which is cool. 
and it keeps how many track of how many words you've written from the, the start of your session, which is, I mean, it's great. It's, it's a, just a neat little tool. I, mean, I don't know how accurate it is, but it seems to work really well. So, um, that yeah, that's Ghostwriter. It is available as a flat pack and probably in the AUR and stuff. So that's how I got it was, was the flat pack. So, anyways, good morning, sir. Have you heard about Emacs? Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, ghosts like your band. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've heard about Emacs. I've used Emacs. I don't want to use. Didn't you just hear me say that Obsidian has too many options for me? You think that Emacs does not like isn't one of those things that's just too many options for me? Like I don't need all that stuff. It's just it's too much for me. And, and well, it's not as if it hurts anything to have it on the system. It's just I don't know. I there's something about me that if if something has a whole bunch of options, I feel like I have to use them. And if I'm not using them, it feels like I'm you know neglecting it or something i don't know um, just be careful like i i hear like public perception can really turn on you once you kick somebody who's preaching the good word of emacs out of town bad things happen i wasn't like, there's typically revolts <laughs> <laughs> if i haven't banned peter and josh from from trolling me about emacs then, <laughs> not, that is true don't worry about it like, like seriously jo- josh has been commenting on my videos since the beginning like basically since the beginning, and every single one of his comments, I'm pretty sure every single one of his comments is either about Emacs or Gen 2. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. He like, he will join gaming streams like where I'm playing Deadside with a few people on Discord, and he'll just pop in and be like, "Hey, so just want to talk to you guys for a minute about it's either Gen 2 or Emacs yeah. every time." This doesn't look like a Gen 2 stream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Josh, we love you, buddy. All right, anyway, so that is it for this for uh, this week. Uh, coming up next week, I have no clue what we're going to be talking about. I have no clue. There are topics there I haven't chosen once, so uh, you'll just have to tune in next week to figure out, find out what we're going to talk about. It's going to be something cool. It's going to be something interesting. We'll have a fantastic conversation. We record this live every Friday around 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Eh, it's usually a little bit later than that, about 3.15 or so or whatever is usually when we finally hit the live button. Uh, we were actually pretty on time this week, so uh, we're doing pretty good. Anyways, you can watch uh, this podcast live at youtube.com slash the Linuxcast. If you don't catch it live, the replay is on you uh, does stay on YouTube, and the timestamps are eventually added on. So somebody asked me, why are there no timestamps? It usually takes me like I get up out of my chair away from this computer for about two hours afterwards. And then I come back and I will put the timestamps in. So usually around 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time is when the timestamps appear. So if you don't want to watch the pre-show and you still want to catch it on YouTube, you can do so. Uh, the timestamps will be there eventually. So just know that. If you don't want to watch the YouTube thing, they are on available on Anchor, which distributes it to Spotify, Apple, all those things. So we're there. Uh, those are usually the edited things. So that's where all the edits actually happen. So you'll get better audio, things like that. So anyways, uh, before I go... I should take one thing, Kermit. Kermit. You wanna? I have. I did actually so good until that moment there when I decided I was going to, you know. Anyways, thank you to all your all the patrons out there who support me. I don't have the graphic here to show your names. I totally forgot about that. So uh, thanks everybody who supports me on Patreon, YouTube, Patreon.com/slash/LinuxCast. If you want to support me there, uh, we'll see you next week. Boy.